Welcome to the Ridge Cast, a tool created to have conversations about topics we can't always cover on a Sunday. Our desire is for you to become equipped to follow Jesus and be mobilized to pursue His kingdom. We hope today's dialogue takes you one step further in your discipleship journey. Now here is this week's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Ridge Cast. I'm so excited to be back with you guys today, wherever you guys are at right now, driving around at home, maybe working on some stuff or maybe out on a run. I'm so excited for today's episode. Uh, over to my left, I'm really excited to be joined today by a return offender, uh, our lead pastor, Chan Mitchell. Hey, David. It's great to be here again with you today. And uh, as we're recording this, today is... February fourteenth. So I want to. I want to. Uh, I want to wish you a very happy Valentine's Day. Man, that was that was all I wanted out of today. <laughs> that was all I was looking for. That's for you, buddy. Cut. Man, appreciate that's it. That's it. <laughs> Man, well, sneaking on over here uh, to my right. I, I don't know why I'm saying left and right. Like you guys can see that, but to my right is uh, a new guest to the podcast. We've got Mr. George Darling. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. It's honestly an honor to be here and fellow Liberty University you know, member. So yeah, we're, we're pretty much brothers. Alumni. Yeah. I think that's the word, right? <laughs> yes. Alumni. Cool. Well, wait, are you about to say that you didn't finish? No. That's no? It. Okay. I gotcha. Uh, well, Hey, um, yeah, George, it's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, so, um, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, uh, introduce yourself to our audience a little bit? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, came from Florida. I now moved up here into the Blue Ridge area. Gosh, probably this past summer of, uh, 2021. But, uh, we actually have a really good relationship of, with the Ridge. I used to come up in the summers with our young adult ministry from Orlando. And, uh, every time we would visit, uh, Pastor Chan was always gone every summer. <laughs> and, uh, I guess he was on vacation or something. I vacation don't know. season, man. Come on. Yeah. Well, everyone kept telling me, Oh, he's so amazing. And I was like, yeah, um, I would love to see that firsthand, but, uh, it's like know, the wizard of Oz. Yeah, no one sees the yeah. wizard. But it, honestly, it, we had a relationship with the Ridge, always loved it, um, just kind of felt like uh, a home away from home. And then this past summer, we moved up here and we were actually attending uh, the Ridge and was awesome, got plugged into a journey group and uh, they were amazing. I totally felt welcome right from the beginning. Uh, but then this really cool opportunity happened where First Baptist Church of McKaysville in Copper Hill reached out to me, heard that I moved to Turtletown, Tennessee. It's about 30 minutes from Blue Ridge. Shout out to T-Town. Yeah, T-Town. Uh, everyone laughs every when I call businesses, and I'm like, don't laugh. We're from Turtle Town. They, they laugh every time, but um, I haven't seen a turtle yet. I don't know how they got the name. <laughs> but uh, from there, we've continued a, a relationship, a friendship, and uh, and so it's just an honor to be here to join this podcast and, and uh, the conference. And so at this point, I guess people are hearing this after the conference, but uh, I, I, I'm already going to say it. It was amazing even though it hasn't happened as I'm saying it, but as you're listening, it was amazing. We know it's going to be amazing. Yes. So, Hey, can I just say something real quick? You know, uh, George uh, is mentioned first Baptist McKaysville, a church that we, that we love and uh, love uh, the pastor over there, pastor Matthew, just, uh, just a great friend. Uh, love what's going on over there. Excited. And uh, it's, I think, you know, this could be just the, the first of many times that yeah. uh, we have this really neat partnership with First Baptist McKay's. We'll do a ministry in a town uh, that we all love. And uh, and so this is really cool to be able to do this. And I hope yeah. we can do it again. Well, it's really cool, too, because your family uh, have been in that church yeah. for years. Yeah. Um, My and- wife uh, wife grew up there. 
the way I see it, because I, I like watching The Office, there's an episode where one of the characters speaks in front of hundreds of people, and then Michael Scott says, I influenced the man who influenced many. And so now I feel like I'm influencing your family who influences you, which influences the Ridge. So really, I wow. guess you could say I influenced the Ridge. Wow. The, the power of influence, the voice of influence. Yeah. That was like full on inception for me right there. Like there were several layers. There's going to be people listening to this and be like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Like if I was listening to this, I would have to hit like the skip back 30 seconds yeah. part and then just listen to that again. The point is, is God is moving in our community. Yes. And it's awesome. <laughs> there you go. Man, that's awesome. Well, hey, so we kind of already have uh, hinted at it a little bit, um, but we're talking about something that we do uh, annually here at the Ridge called the Revive Conference. Um, so it's a conference that's centered around marriage, um, centered around the biblical understanding of marriage, but it's an interesting name um, to call something like that, um, Revive. And uh, Jan, you want to explain to us maybe uh, why you guys chose that name, why go um, with that language? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it does have a, a little bit of history. Several years ago when we were talking about um, the possibility of just investing resources and, and time and teaching into marriage, uh, this idea came up, uh, uh, really the word then was revival. And, you know, um, when, when I was a kid, I remember, you, you don't see it as much now, but when I was a kid, um, a little bit more you would see um, like camp meetings, revivals, tent meetings. Um, when I was a kid, we used to have several churches come together. Actually, First Baptist McKaysville was one of those churches. Wow. Come together with about 20 or so of the churches, and we would have area-wide revivals in one of the gymnasiums. Um, and I remember that's when I was seven years old. I was actually attending uh, a revival when uh, I just felt the Lord calling me, and I went forward, talked to my pastor, and prayed to receive Christ. And and you know, ever since then, as I've been understanding uh, what, what is a revival and you know, a revival basically is just an opportunity uh, to to revive uh, our spirit, to revive our faith, uh, revive our passion for the Lord. It doesn't necessarily have to be done in a camp meeting or even a church service. It can be very personal, um, but it's always just um, a revival of of the of the Holy Spirit within us. And uh, so many of us can relate to that because there have been times where uh, perhaps our faith felt uh, a little flat, uh, maybe even dead. And then through some set of circumstances, uh, we experienced kind of a personal revival in our faith and um, became passionate for the Lord again and passionate for His Word again. And, and that word revive, David, is, is kind of an interesting word. It, it really does mean to restore to new life, uh, restore to, to new strength. If you think of someone who you know, is, is in the middle of having a, a medical surgery or operation, and then all of a sudden they, to use a medical term, they kind of flatline. Uh, everything ceases at that point. The, the operation, the procedure stops, and, and the main focus is to bring that person back to life, to restore life back to them in that moment. And so as we were several years ago kicking around this idea of uh, revival in marriage, it just seemed to take root. It, it just, uh, you know, you throw ideas on the wall and some of them stick. And this was the one that really, it really stuck uh, really well. And so what does it mean to to bring revival to our, our marriages? I mean, we, we kind of understand it in our faith and, uh, but what does it mean uh, to, to, to experience a revival in our marriages? You know, a lot of marriages today are unfortunately on life support. They need restoration. They, they're, they're, they need new passion. 
Um, and so that's really the heart of this conference. It's about bringing um, life-giving and hope-renewing revival back into marriages. And uh, throughout the conference, we just talk about several ways to do that, um, how to have a Christ-centered marriage, how to have um, uh, clear communication, and you know how to have unity in marriage, and so many more th- items. These are, these are just so important uh, when it comes to, to bringing that revival back into our marriages. So that really is the, the heart of the conference. Yeah, and I think what we want to do today in our conversation is we really want to take that heart behind the conference and we want to import that into um, our conversation today. Because like you said, so many marriages are uh, on life support. There are people who are really considering calling it quits. And then there are people who are find themselves in a marriage now where, you know, after years and years of drifting apart, they feel more like roommates uh, than they do spouses again. Uh, they just haven't legally gotten divorced or they haven't, you know, separated for whatever reason. And, um, you know, that's not uh, our heart here at the Ridge for for those people's marriage, and we don't believe that that's God's heart for for that marriage either. Um, but then, too, I think you would agree too, just for people who are maybe even um, just getting started or just in the first leg of their journey with marriage, is is helping them avoid getting to that point if they can, or at least um, whenever those challenges arise, kind of giving some tools uh, to overcome those things. Yeah, you know, so many people, and, and George, you you probably agree with me. So many people kind of get into marriage and um, they don't have a lot of those tools that you're talking about. Obviously they don't have the experience uh, to, to go along with it. And, and sometimes um, we get these preconceived notions about what marriage really is and, and we get our cues from the wrong places, <laughs> from the media or somewhere in the world or whatever it might be. And we can find out pretty quick that those, those cues, those, that knowledge that we gained doesn't always work or translate in real life marriage. Mm-hmm. I think part of the issue too is it is what um, you've seen from generations before you, right? Or even the shows that we watch, you can see how marriages, you know, or Instagram or social media, whatever it is, is kind of giving you this picture of what marriage or what a healthy relationship looks like. And then you see something on the news, you're like, no, they, they're struggling. You know, I always think of someone like Tiger Woods, who, you know, at a point in his career was the wealthiest, most, you know, sought after athlete. And yet at the end of the day, it all came out that he was having affairs. And, uh, and I, I don't know if, I mean, I was watching a documentary about it actually the other day. And a lot of it was, he saw apparently some of his older colleagues and his, I guess his father and some of his friends where they were living that type of lifestyle behind closed doors. And so when we talk about marriage and revive and, and the lifestyle, I don't think people wake up and think, you know, I don't want my marriage to work. Uh, I think of when you were talking about revive, I was thinking about how Paul, you know, a lot of times we say, remember when you first believed and obviously he's talking about salvation, but I think there's a truth in that. I think sometimes we have to look back at our marriage and say, I got to remember that first time, you know, that I met her or I met him and, and I fell in love. You know, I, there's people that go to the altar and they're like, I will love you the rest of my life. But there was a point where they truly felt that way. But unfortunately something happens either because, uh, we're intentionally either hurting our marriage or we're you know, unintentionally doing it and you just don't realize that those little things add up. And so I think that's why as today we want to talk about having a, a Christ centered marriage, why it's so important because you know, what the world has to offer us is going to point us in a completely different direction. Well, George, I think you really hit it right there is, and, and really both you guys is I don't think anyone uh, wakes up one day and thinks, man, I am just going to eviscerate my marriage today. Like I'm just going to just crash and burn in this thing. I don't think anyone walks down the aisle thinking, you know, 
I'm going to do this five or six years, or I'm going to do this 10, 15 years, and then I'm going to hang it up and it's going to be, you know, really brutal. Nobody thinks that, but it's, it's, it's a series of, you know, maybe small or gradual choices uh, along the way to either pay attention uh, to certain things and maybe not pay attention to things that you should. Um, but that's, that's generally, um, the vibe I get in, in most conversations too. And then, like you said, whenever we have the wrong target, when we have the wrong vision of what it should be and we're taking cues from television or from movies or from whatever media source has uh, our heart and our focus um, at the time. Um, the thing about those things is, you know, they're, they're not real. They're fantasy. You know, it's not the reality. It's not what is in front of me. Uh, you know, every single day I, I heard a, a pastor say uh, something um, where he was like, you know, the thing about Hollywood that makes it so, um, uh, that really draws our, our heart and our focus is because it's just so not real and it's so foreign. That's right. why we have to play act to make right. it, to make it, um, um, like that. But yeah, I mean, I think this would be a good time just to, you know, um, to, to begin talking about, you know, now that we have kind of discussed, this is where these things come from. You know, why, why is it important to have a Christ centered marriage? Why is it important to have that at the center rather than take these cues, um, from media or from culture, um, that are around us, you know, why not make, you know, um, uh, finance or why not make uh, romance or why not make, you know, fill in the blank, the center of marriage? Why make Christ the center in you guys' mind? You know, I think uh, <clears throat> to answer those questions, um, really the the first and the best place to go really is the scripture and to, to begin to understand, <clears throat> excuse me, to understand what was God's design for marriage? Was it designed just for our enjoyment? Was, was it designed for, for some kind of pleasure that's all ours. Um, uh, why, why did God give us marriage? Was it because we were lonely? Uh, what did he give us marriage? And, and what I find uh, when I look at Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, that there was a very specific purpose for the way God designed marriage. And, and beginning in Genesis chapter 2, uh, as a part of the creation story, we see that God created uh, Adam and Eve, man and woman. And... Um, in in that in that portion of scripture between verses eighteen and twenty five, it says that a, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. And that that word cleave is just a really interesting word. It actually means to be intertwined. It means to be uh, almost braided together. And so God's design was for two people to be so intertwined in their life that they actually become one person. Now, why, why is that important? <clears throat> it's important because everything that God created, it somehow reflects his glory. It reflects who he is. And so as we dive even deeper and learn who God the Father is, who God the Son is, and the God the Holy Spirit, we see that this is three in one. And we're not talking, <laughs> we're not here to talk about the Trinity today, David, but uh, but we see this, this importance of being intertwined, being, uh, being one, there being unity together. And so right away, we begin to see that, that marriage is, is something different. It's something more than just my happiness. It's something more than just about me being complete or even feeling fulfilled. This is about two separate lives becoming one flesh, becoming one together so that we can better reflect the glory of God. And so I think first and foremost, we need to understand that, that marriage was created to glorify God. And, uh, you know, there's some other passages in the New Testament that, that kind of flesh that out a little bit uh, when it talks about the role of a man 
the role of a woman in marriage and uh, and 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 how their their faith plays out in that role. And um, we see in in Ephesians that um, marriage represents um, the relationship between Jesus and His church. You see the same thing, George, in that. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about that as you're speaking. So great segue. Thank you for leading me into that one. But I really was. I was thinking this. Um, you know, because I know your word for this year, what you guys were even focusing on, has been unity. And there's so many times in scripture where it's talking about how there's the bride and the groom and we're the bride, the church, right? His people. And, uh, it's interesting how the world is looking at the church, especially right now. How are they going to respond? And I know there's statistics about divorce that's happening within the church, but if we're supposed to be the bride and, and, and Christ is the groom yet there's so much division in the church, just like how people are having division in their own homes, it's it's hard to be that place to say, hey, you can come here and you can find healing when we're not even showing that there can be healing because we're having all this confrontation with one another. And I think that's what's so key when you look at like, when we talk about Christ being the center of marriage, the reason why that's so important, I mean, what do they say all the time for people? You know, uh, the greatest indicator for future behavior is past behavior. And uh, I think history has shown that I can put my faith in so many other things. Again, it could be money. It could be a relationship. It could be whatever. But at the end of the day, it always ends up falling short. And, you know, having our faith in Christ always shows us that uh, he has shown us what unity looks like. He shows us communication. I mean, how he's loved people through hard times, how he also was stern with them. Uh, You know, these are all great things that we learn and can apply in our marriage and any relationship really. But even going back to Genesis, you were talking about that. I started to think, um, I love, I love this, the point where, you know, God keeps saying, and it was good and it was good and it was good. And then we've heard that when it came to man, he says, the only thing he said was not good was man being alone. And that, I think that's it's something powerful that we can't look over realizing that one man was designed for relationship. And I know people right now, Oh, they would stay in their home all day long if they could. I think people, uh, I want to, be careful how I say this, but I think COVID gave people permission to pretty much always be distant. Now I get it. There's the health risk and all that. But if we're really being honest, I think there's some people that would say, Hey, this is great. I now can work from home, stay away from people, you know, for a very long time. I'll barely go out yet. Those people that I engage with in ministry are usually the most depressed, the most lonely, you know, they want people to reach out to them yet. They're not willing to make that effort. So how does that work in marriage? Unfortunately, we have people like uh, you were saying, David, that they end up becoming roommates. They live in the same house, have the same bills, have the same, you know, bank account. Yet at the end of the day, they find reasons to just be alone, find reasons to, you know, be distant. But at the same time, they want that partner to love them. They want that partner to to give to them and whatever those needs are. And a Christ in a relationship. I remember reading a book. I'm going to throw this out there for anyone that's looking to read some, but it's called Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. Um, I know some people have said they didn't like it. I thought it was a great book, but his whole thing is what if marriage was to make you more holy than to make you more happy? Mm. And I think that's such a powerful statement because if you really think about it, he's not saying that you can't help, you know, create happiness with your partner, but unfortunately in marriages, they're only looking at happiness. I want, I, I want to be happy. So we need to do this, this, and this. I want, I want, you want me to make you happy. Well, I can't do that because I'm still mad at you because of this, this, and this. Yet what he's saying is when you look through scripture, what if marriage was to make you more holy? Now, every day I have an opportunity to love and serve my wife, Sydney, 
than if I was just by myself. Like if I didn't have her in my life, you know, yeah, I can serve other people, but every day because she's my wife, I'm learning to sacrifice. She's my bride. So again, we go back to the church, the bride and the groom. What an awesome opportunity as a church to show how we serve within ourselves and serve outside of our four walls. So I don't know. There's, there's so much in scripture. I think we can learn and apply it to our marriage and, uh, having Christ at the center. It's obviously, I mean, that's the core. I mean, that's the catalyst for change. Yeah. Well, I love what you said there about, um, you know, maybe the purpose is to make us holy and not happiness. And I think, uh, the two don't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, Mm -hmm. I think, that when Jesus said, I, I came so that you might have life and then you might have it in full. Yeah. Like, I think that Jesus's vision for life and ultimately becoming holy, which is just becoming more like Mike Jesus, if we would just want to boil it down to right. layman's terms really quick. Um, you know, I think that that will lead to a, a joyous life. Uh, you know, the real sustained type of joy, not the, um, quickly captured, quickly fleeting pleasure that we can often, uh, mine and derive, um, from the world around us. So, um, something really important to keep in mind, but I think, um, you also hit on something really important there too, about just communicating. Uh, and I think that's something that you hear a lot of people, uh, talk about, you know, um, maybe someone who's listening to this, you know, maybe you've read a few marriage books or listened to a few marriage podcasts, maybe even gone to some conferences or watch some stuff on YouTube or something like that. But you'll hear that C word come out a lot, communicate, communicate, communicate. But, um, I don't think it's as simple, right. As just, you know, just communicate, talk, open your mouth, use your words, uh, and just tell the other person, you know, what's going on. I think it's, uh, it matters how you communicate and stuff too. Do you guys have any thoughts on communication? Hey, before I answer that question, just uh, real quick, uh, David, how many years have you been married? I, I'm, uh, I'm still pretty green. Mm-hmm. So I'm like 15 months into being married. So we're like, you know, right in the just first quarter started. of, yeah, of year two. George, how about you? Uh, seven years. Seven years. Okay. I've been married 23 years. And uh, so I can tell you this, this topic of communication is huge. I mean, this is, this is many times what makes or breaks a healthy marriage is communication. And it just, it doesn't seem to get any easier. Um, <clears throat> this is just something you got to continue to to work at. And, you know, um, I do a fair, mar- a fair amount of uh, premarital counseling and um, this is one of the things we talk about is, is communication. And it's real interesting to take an assessment to understand how you communicate, especially in conflict. Because as you know, some people just shut down. Mm-hmm. They just shut down and they want to flee. They want to, to get away from the conflict. While others, uh, they want to get right into the conflict and, and they want to, you know, they want to talk about it, discuss it, and resolve it right now. And so if you get um, one spouse that just shuts down in conflict and another one that it just ignites them, then you've got a real issue with communication there. And so it helps to to know you know, your communication style, but, you know, communication is, is less about the words we use and is more about the heart behind those words. And scripture, again, gives us some really good hints uh, and tips into just the kind of heart we need to have, the attitude that we need to have. And, and a couple of those things uh, are real simple. You know, in, in the book, again, back to the book of Ephesians, Paul, he lists some, some indicators of what brings healthy communication. And, and one of those things <clears throat> is just uh, humility. Um, you know, a humble spirit is, is, uh, is a spirit, it's a, it's, a, it's a state of mind where we think of others more uh, than we're actually thinking of ourselves. So in the context of marriage, I'm thinking of my wife, I'm thinking of her needs uh, more than I'm thinking of my own, which is not an easy thing to do in marriage. You know, sometimes we're more concerned with winning 
uh, are making a point than we are concerned about uh, uh, our spouse. And so uh, just having that spirit of, of humility going into communication, whether that's uh, res- resolving conflict or just trying to communicate um, a, a thought or an idea or a feeling, um, just humbling oneself, looking to uh, the other's interests and, and what they need more than I'm looking to to my own interests. And so humility, I think, is a key part. Another second one is just uh, gentleness. And this is where, um, boy, I stumble all over this one, guys. I, I'm not too good at being gentle. I, 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 I tend to be argumentative, especially when I don't get my way. I'm, I don't know if I'm the only one here like that. Um, but when I don't get my way, I do get angry. I get, I get frustrated. And it becomes more important for me to, to make a point rather than being gentle you know the bible talks about a gentle answer mm-hmm. turns away anger it does just the opposite um of what i do many times and so i, I think understanding beginning to understand that good communication it, it, it begins with with the heart and, and you know humility and gentleness uh, are a couple of these things um george i'm interested to know do you you stumble over any of these? You got any other thoughts on uh, just what makes for good communication in a marriage? Because I need all the help I can get, honestly. Uh, yeah. Well, I started laughing as you're like sharing some of those because obviously situations start popping in my head. And I don't know if you have any good stories of when you didn't get your way and you got angry and you love to share. But uh, I, for me, like uh, as you're talking about gentleness, you know, I, I do, I think, struggle with frustration um, and in a way that is frustrated because I'm trying to get my point across, but I might not know how to fully communicate it well. And in my mind, I know what I want or what I'm saying, but I feel like she's not understanding it. And so I get frustrated. And you mentioned like the two different types, like one who might want to run away, one who's like, no, let's keep going at it. That was something that Sydney and I really faced early on, uh, even when we were dating. And I'd say we still uh, wrestle with now. I would say I'm more of the person that eventually says, all right, I'm done because I, I feel like either we're getting too upset. I don't know, you know, what else I can say. I've made my point. You've made your point and we're obviously not satisfied. And so I'm normally the one that says, let's, let's kind of step away from this. And, uh, she's more like, no, let's figure this out. I want to figure it out now. And honestly, she's just really good at arguing with me. And, you know, and I say that in a funny way, like she's just really good. And I'm like, you make really good points. Stop. You know, I don't, I don't want to agree with you. And, uh, sometimes, you know, I've found myself arguing, just, you get to a point where you just start arguing. Have you ever dealt with that? You're like, I literally am just trying to prove a point and it doesn't even make sense anymore. Even in my mind, <laughs> you know, I, you, in, in, at the conference, uh, I, I use this example of, um, kayaking, you know, my wife and I love to kayak and, uh, we, a few years ago, we bought this tandem kayak, right? And typically she's, she's in the front of the kayak paddling. I'm in the back. And, uh, you know, it's, it's real interesting because we have two different styles when it comes to kayaking, George. Yeah. It's really, it, I mean, I, I just want to get from point A to point B and I want to get there as quick as I can. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just built like that typical guy, I guess, where, uh, my wife enjoys, you know, kind of zigzagging, looking at, you know, the, tr- the trees or the flowers or the birds or whatever. It's just a, it's, it's an easy stroll. And so you can imagine what kind of conflict sure, th- this sure. occur, you know, yeah. th- this causes when we're, we're kayaking down the river and, and I'm just pushing, pushing, and she's slowing things, you know, slowing it down with her paddle. I'm trying to speed it up with my paddle. That causes us to go in circles and, and we're, we're, we're hitting rocks. We're all over the place. You know, I, I'm, I'm asking, what are you doing? And, and she'll take her paddle and splash the water 
water and it's right back on me in my face. And so just, just as simple as we're trying to enjoy something together, right. trying to find common ground, trying to just enjoy nature and even something that simple can cause some communication yeah. problems because um, just of our, because of our different focus, the things that we're focused on and uh, you know, even the reason, the reason why we're out there. So, so it just, it has to, um, you know, communication is just a real struggle oh, yeah. sometimes, even, even, even the easiest things. There, there's an example. I don't even know where I learned this, but I use it all the time and I just, it's always helped me, uh, I think help deescalate is realizing that um, at the end of the day, I think, most couples really want to resolve to the same thing. So the example that I heard and I always share is like, you know, one plus four equals five and six minus one equals five. It There's two different ways to get to the same answer. And I'm sure there's other math people who are listening. They're like, well, there's actually like all these, other, but, but, but there's, you can see my point is that we both wanted five. And sometimes we've had to stop and say, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. And that's really helped calm us down because we're like, yeah, why am I like we why am I making you an enemy? You know? And if you want to do it that way and I wanted to do it the other way at the end of the day, it's it's still gonna get done. And I'll I'll follow your lead. And so there's been times I've had to submit, you know, and I just say, Hey, like, that's okay. If that's what you want to do, it's not doesn't hurt me, doesn't hurt you, doesn't hurt anyone else. Uh, so why am I fighting so hard for it to just be my way? But uh, you know, and I've also just learned that uh, even though I do lean on the side of, hey, let's kind of take a break, Sydney would admit that that has been very helpful in our marriage sometimes. It's not saying, nope, I don't want to ever talk about it again. I'm moving on. It's just more of we're both kind of escalating, and we know this isn't going to get any better. We're both frustrated. And so we'll, we'll take just some time to kind of, to hey, let's just take a break. Let's cool down. But it is something that we know that we're going to come back and address. And I think that's always been healthy because um, I know scripture talks about not going to bed, you know, while you're angry and, and, you know, allowing sin to take a foothold in that. And so we really do just try to say, hey, I just just give me 30 minutes. Give me an hour. Let's come back. We'll talk. It's just we're obviously not going anywhere. And I think people listening right now could probably agree. Yeah, you've been in those situations where you're like, it's just getting worse. But we all, but we all want five, you know, and and so that that's helped us um, a lot, I think, in the past. Yeah, I'm going to tell a quick story that reminded me when you said, um, you know, don't don't go to don't go to bed angry with one another. A few years ago, I was talking with an older couple, been married uh, over sixty years together, and I was talking to uh, the 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 wife, and she was so sweet, and she said, um, she said, you know, Chan, we've We've been married over 60 years, and we've never gone to bed mad at one another. And I was like, wow, that's that's amazing, you know, that you're able to do that. Because I know just being married a few years at that time that um, I had gone to bed mad several times. Uh, and, and she said, no, we've never gone to bed mad at one another. She said, but don't get me wrong. My husband slept on the couch many nights, but we've never gone to bed. <laughs> <laughs> mad at each other. And I said, Mary, that's the best advice I've ever heard, you know? And so <clears throat> it really did help us understand, you know, sometimes it's just late at night, right? We're arguing about something that's going to be the next day and we're tired at the end of a long day. And we're really, the, the worst of us is just yep. coming out. And so sometimes it's better to say, Hey, time out, you know, um, before you tell me to go sleep on the sofa, let's just hit the pause button here. Let's get some rest. Let's, start this over tomorrow morning when we're rested, when we're clear thinking. And, you know, it's been my experience that when we do that, when we're disciplined to do that, that many times 
we'll wake up the next morning and 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 we re- were able to resolve that conflict right. really you know with, yeah. with hardly any effort at all that's awesome so sometimes it's just understanding how how when you communicate best how you communicate best and then setting yourself up for success yeah as you guys were saying that, it just kind of reminded me of a, a sports analogy. You know, um, if your team isn't playing well uh, in a sports match and in, in football or in, in basketball or uh, even in soccer, uh, you know, you'll often see the coach call a timeout, you know, and try to calm everybody down. We're not playing well right, right. now. We're not playing our best. Uh, we need to kind of slow down. We need to catch our breath, you know, go back in your corner a little bit and then come back in there. So you, you got to learn when the best time to call a timeout is. Yep. Calm everyone down get some Gatorade. So, uh, yeah. And then another thing I just kind of picking up on what you guys are saying is, you know, it, it, it matters how you communicate and it, communication is, uh, both a skill and an art, you know, it's a skill in the sense of, um, you have to kind of work at it. Like you're just not going to be naturally incredible at communicating with your spouse. Like it's going to take some, some repetitions going to take going through some conversations and stuff like that to one, learn what's the point I'm trying to get across and what am I trying to say? And then what is the other person yeah. uh, trying to communicate back to me and how can I best hear them? Um, and, you know, how, how am I hearing them? Am I hearing them just to try to turn around and overcome them or am I really trying to hear mm-hmm. them out? I remember one thing um, at our premarital counseling is uh, uh, the pastor that was counseling. I said, you know, sometimes you can, um, you can, you can argue to stay together or you can argue to win, <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. what's your, what's your mindset? Am I trying to win or am I trying to, That's good. to trying to stay together? So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's something that you can get better at, I guess, is sure. where I'm trying to land. If, you, if you're out there and you're thinking, man, I'm just really bad at communication. Like I've just never been in an environment where that has been modeled for me. Sure. Good. There, there is hope, but it does take work. It's not inevitable. It's not right. going to happen, um, on its own. So yeah, yeah I think something that we kind of want to land on here is, um, you know, our spiritual emphasis for the year is unity. And we've already talked quite a bit about unity, but, um, how do you guys think that, unity and marriage could be beneficial. Cause I think that's something that generally we don't think about is how can other people around me, um, actually help my marriage and how can my marriage actually help other people? And, and what is God's plan behind all of that is God's plan, uh, for marriage deeper than just, um, you know, having a, a holy romantic relationship. Is it deeper than just having this social relationship that helps me kind of survive, uh, going through life? Does God have, uh, something even deeper behind that in that? You know, I think that's a great question, David. And, and, and to me, it, and I go right back to what we talked about from Genesis chapter two, that there's something about, uh, this being intertwined, uh, being braided together, being as one, um, that brings glory to, to the heavenly father. And, um, and, and so we have to strive to, to, to become one in, um, the way we pursue Christ together become one in the way we communicate. And then, you know, you and I were kicking around some ideas the other day about uh, accountability in marriage. And I thought that was just such an intriguing idea. Uh, who is it that I've invited into my life? I've invited into uh, in, into close proximity of, of mine and my wife's uh, life that they could actually bring accountability into the marriage where I've invited them to ask tough questions, to, 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 to probe into maybe issues that we are struggling with or not communicating with. And I just think that's such a, such a valuable idea to have someone close enough to us that they, that they can say, Hey, you know, how, how are you doing, Jan, loving 
Amber as Christ loves the church? Uh, do you feel that you're willing to, to, to die to yourself daily in order to serve her and to minister to her? How are you doing on that? I mean, those, those are deep questions that you don't usually get into when you, you, know, you go on a date with someone and you have somebody over to dinner, but who have I invited over um, for accountability purposes to, to strengthen my marriage? And I just thought that was a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's awesome. And, and as you're saying all that, it's making me think, you know, now being moved up here, I'm like, gosh, I got to find that, you know, for someone who can truly see into our marriage. Cause I, I could probably still reach out to relationships back in Florida where I came from, but you know, it, it's better when you can have people who really see your life, right. That they're, they're living the day to day, the week to week. And, um, I mean, having that is, is so powerful because, I think the truth is most of us really deep down don't want feedback or criticism, you know, because yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, our tendency is not towards accountability. You you don't want people to really call out whatever they see, but I think maturity and realizing, you know what? um, I'm not the center of all this and I need someone to see my blind spots, my areas. Um, having those people that you can willingly say, Hey, look into my life. And I had that honestly down in Florida. Um, unfortunately, um, uh, that guy, he ended up passing away a couple of years ago, a freak accident, but it was such a healthy relationship of someone that we truly lived life with. It wasn't just, Hey, let me meet with you once a month. I don't really see you outside of that. It's like, no, I come into your home, you come into my home. And, and from there we would have honest conversations, you know, about marriage and, and just, your relationship with the Lord, even as an individual. And so, um, you know, I'm grateful for those people who say, you know what, I would love to do that. I'd love to look into your life and, uh, and see how I can help as well as uh, they're open for you being able to do that to them as well. Yeah. And, and that, that brings up a great point. You know, we're, we're talking about someone, um, bringing accountability into our relationship, but, but the other side of that coin is that we model the way for, for others, maybe a a younger, <clears throat> younger couple or someone who's just married or just about to get married. And um, <clears throat> I remember this um, this uh, instance from a good friend of mine. This has been years ago. Um, he uh, lives in Kentucky, but he he's always been a disciple maker. He just loves pouring into people. Uh, he and his wife together pour into younger couples and teach them about the principles of marriage. And, and I remember um, he was discipling this young man, and he would often have this young man over to to the home for dinner and for conversation and sometimes just to hang out and have a good time. And one night, uh, my, my friend was telling me that, that he and his wife um, got into a discussion and it just became a little more intense, a little more intense, and they were having a serious disagreement, serious conflict. And this young man that they had repeatedly invited into their home was sitting there on the living room couch with him as this intense discussion was was going on and and the young man i mean obviously he felt uncomfortable in that setting and he said he said you, you know what he said I, I probably should just leave and let you guys finish this conversation and um i love what my friend said he goes no 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 don't leave you need to see how a godly couple work through conflict you need to understand that there are times, even when two people pursuing Christ with all of their heart, they run in and they bump up against a conflict or a disagreement or a difference in perspective, and they have to work through that in a godly way. And uh, 
I think the young man just, even though he was a little uncomfortable, he stayed. But he said that was one of the greatest lessons, something he yeah. never, he's never forgotten, is watching these two people who love one another but yeah. also love the Lord pursue unity. I'll, I'll be honest, Pastor Chan. Uh, I mean, in that story, that wasn't me, but that has happened for me. When I was in college, same thing. Uh, this couple, you know, they're such godly parents and husband and wife. And I, I even do a lot of things with my two children now that I saw them model. But that exact thing, I mean, you were telling me, I was like, is this the same person? You know, but it's, it's not. But I remember sitting on that couch and they were getting into it. It was the most uncomfortable and awkward thing I've ever experienced. And I remember saying that exact thing that you just shared, which was like, I think I should go. And they're like, no, no, no you need to watch how we resolve this. And I'm like, okay. So I just sink back on the couch and just watch them resolve their fight. It was the most awkward thing, but also refreshing. Right. I bet that's, I mean, it's probably a lesson that, that you, you obviously you've never forgotten right. and something that you can apply now right. to your marriage. And, and how awesome is that, that we can, we can receive um, an example from someone years ago, apply it to our marriage now, but then also use it, to invest and model the way for, for a younger couple. You yeah. know, I think when we find those principles of marriage, we find uh, that, that are biblical, we find that those are timeless and they work in every situation. Whereas, as we talked about at the beginning of this, there are some things that this world wants to try to offer us for a happy marriage, and we find that those things are, are temporary at best. Yeah, what I'm hearing you guys saying is, you know, these kind of uh, hard-earned life lessons. Um, at the end of the day, maybe we should consider that they're not just for us, that there is someone uh, down the road that maybe we don't know yet, uh, years down the road, that we can we can pass this down uh, to. And, you know, I think that's just so beneficial, and I think that's why the New Testament authors are outlining that. And, you know, Ephesians, like Chan mentioned, but also, I mean, if you look first, second, third, John, it talks a lot about um, the older being an example to the younger and the younger submitting themselves to the example of the older and, uh, you know, I think that's in there um, for our benefit, and it's in there for us to live um, Jesus' vision of, of the good life. And, you know, um, whether you have a great family of origin uh, or not, you know, you might come from a family of origin that you would think there's nothing that I want to bring into my family or my marriage from that. Or, you know, if you're on the other side of the fence and you're like, I just want to just hit replay on everything that I had from growing up, I think it's always beneficial just to see another perspective and to get another uh, viewpoint for how people can pursue Christ uh, in marriage and in family and in the home and how that all comes out because um, yeah what I'm really hearing you guys saying is is there's just a there's a deeper purpose uh, behind marriage which is modeling Jesus' love for us for the church for people uh, and the way that we love one another and um, it takes more than yeah. just one person well, what's to do that the, what's that saying um, Christianity is more caught than taught you know? yeah I've always heard it in leadership but I mean I, I would definitely yeah. agree with just following Christ in general. Well, I'm sure we could just apply that to anything, right? That, you know, mm -hmm. if I see something modeled, it's going to be more caught than taught, you know, uh, even with a two year old and a three month old right now, there's little things where the conversations of do you spank and all that. And we don't have to get into that conversation. That's maybe another podcast episode, but tune in uh, next time. <laughs> yeah, tune in next time. Uh, but the idea was, it is interesting when you think, okay, if my kid starts hitting me and then I'm going to respond by spanking him, you know, it's kind of like this, okay, I'm modeling something that I'm then telling them not to do. Just like, you know, I don't know if this, you ever heard this growing up, but the whole, you know, do as I say, not as I do. And I think that happened with my grandma and my mom. Like my grandma would smoke cigarettes because this was 
back in the time when it was supposed to be cool and didn't hurt you. And, uh, but then at the same time, like my mom's like, well, I'll start smoking then. It's like, no, you're not going to smoke. And it's like, well, how can you model that, you know, and then tell me not to do it. Uh, and so I think there's a credibility as a married couple, especially when you start to have children or you're speaking into a younger generation that have that credibility. So that couple that I sat through that argument, they, there was many moments where they earned a credibility in my, you know, this relational equity where I said, you know, when they speak, I'm going to listen because there's really two ways that you can learn, right? There's either going to be from experience or it's going to be from wisdom, which is learning from someone else's experience. And, uh, I want to be the person that's more on the side of, let me learn from you. So I then don't have to experience it myself. I don't want to experience a divorce. You know, I don't want to experience an affair, you know, but, but there's people I know that have gone through that and I can learn and have some wisdom in that. And so uh, I think it's having also honest conversations with people who have gone through some stuff. And, uh, and so the younger generation too, I mean, wow, I, they, they are getting so much information every single day at their fingertips that is telling them what relationships should look like. And uh, again, we kind of said this in the beginning, and I think we all know it's not, they're getting such a, a fake view of what a relationship should be. But man, if we, the church could rise up and not only in our marriages, but even with one another, that we can set aside political differences. We can set aside, you know, uh, how church should be. Uh, I hope that we can all come to a unity and show unity. So when people say my life has no unity, I can come here and I can find it. And, uh, and I think that's powerful. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. good. That's good. Well, as we're getting ready to kind of land the plane here, do you guys got any final thoughts, any final things? I don't uh, want to like land to the plane. This was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's been great. It's been awesome. Okay. okay. To end this, I have uh, two, two questions, if, if that's fair. Sure. One, I would love to know your guys' perspective on the whole saying, happy wife, happy life. As you guys are married men, what are your thoughts on that saying? And do you believe that that is biblically accurate, that I should be viewing my marriage as happy wife, happy life? Well, as the younger uh, person here, I would like to submit to the wisdom of my elder. So, Chan, what do you think? <laughs> 23 years? Is that what you said? 20, 23 years. Oh, 23 oh, years. I'm only about 23. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm a little older than that. <clears throat> you know, I think, uh, you know, what, what I immediately thought of is um, it's taken me 23 years to really understand how my wife communicates and what communicates to her. And, um, you know, we all communicate differently. Words that mean something to us or actions that mean something to us. And, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know about the, the happy wife, happy life kind of thing. But, but what I do know is if, if, I'm, if I'm able to, you know, humble myself and consider her needs and I know what communicates um, love to her, um, then that becomes less of a chore it becomes less of this task that I have to do, and it becomes something more that my heart is drawn to do because I'm more concerned about about her needs and about communicating um, to her. Um, you know, there's this this great book. It's been out for a long, long time. The 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 five love languages, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I we went through that book together as husband and wife right after we got married, and I learned pretty quickly what what how she communicates and what communicates to her and. Uh, and I don't, know, I don't always get it right. As a matter of fact, I probably get it wrong more times than I get it right. But, but I, I, at least I know how to get it right when it comes to communicating. I know what says to her, I love you. I, I care for you. I'm thinking of you um, more than me just saying those actual sure. words. And so, you know, to me, 
um, it really does come down to um, some of these aspects of uh, humility and patience and, and, and gentleness. Well, that was so much more profound and pragmatic than what I would have offered. <laughs> I think what I was thinking just on the surface is, I, I guess the heart behind the phrase, happy wife, happy life, and maybe you guys can chime in if you, if you think I'm off base here, but it, it, it maybe at its core, if we were just going to boil it down as simple as possible, it's just like do whatever it takes to make your wife happy. Um, which maybe is not necessarily like a super wrong thing. I just, I think when we are looking at what the new Testament says, I think Jesus call is, is a little greater and a little more noble in that of do whatever it takes to represent my love to your wife. Yeah. And that's what I would say. And then he calls us vice versa, you know, yeah. vice versa. It works both ways. I think I find when people say that, cause I've had a lot of older men will say that to me like, Hey, lesson I learned is happy wife, happy life. And man, I, shots fired at the old guys, man. Yeah. Well, they're the models, <laughs> right? They're the ones that were supposed to model it for me. And, and, and okay. On a, on a, I guess more serious, funny note, whatever, you know, my dad passed away when I was 14 months old. And so I never had another man really come into my life as a father figure. So it wasn't until about college that older men started to become more of an example for me, but it is true. As we talk about like, you know, being that model, well, I had to look somewhere. And, uh, I would always hear that happy wife, happy life. And to me, the more I read scripture, I was like, I don't see how that's biblical. I, I just don't. Now, again, I'm not saying not to try to make my wife happy, but, uh, I know there's also another saying, and I, I you know, people come up with these sayings because they rhyme and they sound good, but I'm like, you know, there, I think there is truth to it, but they say happy spouse, happy house. And, um, I, again, I don't know if I would s still fully say like, Whatever. But the point is, is that um, I ask you guys that because I think biblically, you know, it is about uh, serving and honoring one another and loving one another. But when the focus is so much on um, if I just make her happy, really what I'm trying to do is avoid confrontation. OK, she just let me just get that done, because if not, she's just going to nag me about it more. So happy wife, happy life. I'll get the dishes done or I'll do that. And uh Again, those are all like, yeah, I want to do things that will make her feel like, wow, he really loves me, whatever that is, because the love languages are different. Pastor Chan, I don't know if you've experienced this, but with the love languages, I always find that I almost express my love in the way that I would have wanted love exactly. yeah. instead mm -hmm. of, right. okay, what is her love language? Instead, I'm like actually trying to operate out of what I want. So gift givers, like people who love to get gifts, almost will go and want to give gifts to other people, but to those other people will be like, I don't feel loved by gifts, but they're giving out of what they wish they would receive. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyways, that was, I was curious your thoughts because it, uh, I think in our culture today, I hear that a lot, especially in the church and maybe I'm wrong off base. Some, you know, some men might say, well, this is really what I mean when I say that, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we can agree. There's a lot of nuance yeah. in there and that's, that's the tough thing about, uh, blanket statements. Yeah. So do you have a second question too, or was that I do. the, I do. Okay. If that's okay. No, yeah, that's fine. I, I didn't know if it was hidden no, no, no. somewhere I, I in there. I think this is a good one to end the, the episode, unless you guys have something else. Um, for our listeners, do you have a marriage hack? All right, a marriage hack. Something that you've learned that you're like, hey, I think this is great. And I can start first. All right, and this is, I think, a, a really good marriage hack for probably new relationship or engaged or newly married. Um, but most relationships really have communication problems around finance. And, uh, and so something that Sydney and I learned early on that I would consider a marriage hack is I would see on our, our credit card statements, you know, okay, 20 something bucks, TJ Maxx, you know, or this much from target. And it created conflict because it was like, okay, you didn't need that t-shirt. 
You know, you didn't need to go out and get that. And, uh, and so as we were processing through that and always finding that every little transaction to us was just hitting, it just, it was just head to head. Right. So the hack that we came up with that I think has worked really well is we looked over our budget, looked at how much we made bills, all that stuff. And in our budget, we said, George, you get a hundred dollars a month. Sydney, you get a hundred dollars a month, whatever you want to do with that hundred dollars, all you. No questions asked. You know, you want to go get your nails done. You want to go buy that that nice shirt from TJ Maxx or get that Starbucks drink. Cool. You know, same with me. No questions asked. But once it passes that hundred, you know that if I came and like we we start talking about like whoa, like you spent over hundred fifty dollars on some luxuries, things like that. We started to have conversation, and then it wasn't always a every transaction. It was like, hey, you have some money that we've put aside that you're allowed to use. When you go out with friends, all that stuff. And honestly, it helped us out a ton. It really did because we just knew I have a limit. Instead, before there was no limit. Yet I started to question, she started to question, why are you purchasing that? Good use of communication and boundaries. Um, you know, in my super limited uh, marital experience, I guess my one would be, uh, and I picked this up from our premarital book um, that we had called Ready or Not, Scott Kardersha, it's good. Um, but just find a activity that both you and your spouse enjoy doing and then just kind of making that a rhythm, uh, and doing that. So, um, one thing that Abigail and I, uh, really liked doing, um, when we lived back in Virginia was cycling. Um, so, I mean, we are by no means like professional cyclers or long distance cyclers, but just, you know, on a nice day getting out. So you don't do that here in the mountains? Yeah. You know, we're still, we're still trying to figure that out. So, uh, cause we have road bikes and, uh, we don't have the best roads for that here. More likely to be roadkill. Um, but uh, yeah, just find an activity that uh, both of you guys like to do. We, we've been doing a lot of hiking since that's we've been cool. out here. I, you know, I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Following yeah. you all on Facebook, I'm like, oh, they're going out again. That's that's so cool. Yeah. Um, you know, mine, mine may, may be similar to that. You know, one of the things that Amber and I did early on was, um, you know, one of the, we don't realize the expectations we bring into marriage. Expectations that come from all the cues right. that we yeah. pick up. That this is what I think a, a wife should be like and what I think she should do. This is what I think a, a good husband should be like and what he should do. And, you know, he should look like my dad or my grandfather and behave as such. And and so we bring into marriage all these expectations. I'm, I liken it to come into the altar and each of you have these big black duffel bags full of all these expectations that you've picked up about what a good marriage should look like. And a good, and a, a good exercise is just to unpack some of those expectations yeah, yeah. and identify where they came from. You yeah. know, here's your idea of a good wife the model, why, where, where did that come from? Did you pick that up from the way your mom and dad did marriage or the way they didn't do marriage? Or maybe it was um, a, a movie or some cheesy 80s love song. David, I know that's your favorite genre. Um, uh, Every morning. <laughs> uh, and so it's just a cool thing to kind of pick up, you know, to go through and unpack those that baggage of expectations and then kind of sort through it. What needs to stay? What needs, what do we need to get rid of? What do we need to throw out? And, uh, and, and it just makes for a good, healthy discussion. Yeah. Or, are my expectations realistic mm-hmm. of who my wife is and who she should be and what our marriage should look like? Yeah. And that's so good. Root of all frustrations. unmet expectation. Um, man, so good. Such a great conversation guys uh, today. And uh, for those of you guys that are listening, um, if you want to check out what Pastor Chan and Pastor George said at Revive, you didn't get a chance to do it. Maybe you were there and you want to hear it again. That's going to be available over on our other uh, channel. It's going to be Ridge Sunday Audio, so you guys will be able to check that out. But if this episode was helpful, please pass it along to a friend. We would love uh, to hear you guys' feedback and comments. And uh, until next time, 
Uh, we'll see you. And thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Ridgecast. We are out. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ridgecast. If this episode was helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend. For more information about The Ridge, visit us at theridge.cc or follow us on social media at The Ridge CC. See you next time.